Hello, hello, Heather Jean here. So excited to be here, Confidence Through Cabaret, the podcast, all things informing confidence. And today we have such, and I'm just so excited about this conversation <laughs> with with Jackie. Um, so, um, and it's Jackie Naaman Jones or yeah. Jackie? Yeah, okay. I did. I should have asked that before. There's a perfectly a perfect moment right there. <laughs> Amazing. So Jackie is a former child actress, uh, known mostly for the infamous bad movie. I, lo I love I love how in the bio I'm reading here, it's the infamous bad movie. Mm -hmm. So I need to find out more about that, which is called Manas, The Hands of Fate. And she's made a career out of, um, you know, her experience on having written a, a book about your experience and being with the movie uh, and, and two web series and, and filming. But also, I'm so excited excited to be talking about your painting and your artistry and your classes and the, the work that you sell online as well. And, you know, I think anything that we can do to combine confidence and art and creativity, the more we do, the better. So welcome, Jackie. Thank you. Thank you. It's really great to be here talking with you yeah and we've just met a few minutes ago but i'm just i'm so i anytime i'm i'm going to be connecting with somebody who connects with the creativity and just that you know the the intuition and and the you know just just almost play because i love all things play then it just is exciting so as soon as i heard about you jackie i was like yes let's do that let's let's get on here and start recording so I know that you get asked a lot about um, your filming and being a child actress. How old were you when you got into acting? Uh, well, that movie, the Monos, the Hands of Fate, that was just a fluke. I mean, I was six years old. Uh, my dad was in theater um, and he was in a play. He played the lead in, in Henry IV. He played the king, and uh, and there was a guy on stage with him that he knew who had written a script and looked around and said, "Oh, I think most of my what I need is here." So he got these actors, these community theater actors, and uh, made a movie in the summer of 1966. And uh, the guy had no experience in making films. This was in El Paso, Texas. And um, I think his primary goal was uh, to bring interest and possibly be the guy to bring the film industry to El Paso. He was a salesman. So he did that. He made a movie. He said, anybody can make a movie. And he did. And then the movie uh, showed to an audience in uh, actually November 15th, 1966. And uh, it kind of got laughed out of the theater and everybody was humiliated and nobody ever really wanted to talk about it after that because it was just so bad. And uh, it disappeared for 27 years. And I grew up remembering it as the best summer of my life because I got to hang out with my dad and I got to be the only kid on, you know, on the set. and. And uh, it was pretty great. That's and, uh, super. So I looked for it for many, many years. And I told friends stories about it. And I thought I'd never see it again. And then in January 1993, it, my dad was watching TV where he lived on the Oregon coast. And he saw it. He was watching Mystery Science Theater. He really liked the show. And Mystery Science Theater, for people who don't know, they they riff bad movies. They find bad movies that are in public domain and they make fun of them that anybody can relate to. Like when you're watching a movie with a friend, you make comments. And, and they did that and became very, very popular and still are. But the movie that I was in became an instant hit. And it's been voted the favorite bad movie a couple of years for their the Mystery Science Theater Turkey Day Awards. Uh, favorite movie of all time. And it's been known, it's known as the worst movie ever made, which it's not, of course. 
but <laughs> but they say it's just so horrible. It's like a train wreck that you just can't look away. Wow. Okay, but you wrote a book about your experience, right? I, I did. I did. And uh, it was published in 2015. It's called Growing Up with Monos, the Hands of Fate. And the subtitle is How I Was the Child Star of the Worst Movie Ever Made and Lived to Tell the Story. And, <laughs> and my book actually is currently four and a half stars on Amazon. So I'm very proud of it. I like to say I made I, I wrote a very good book about a really bad movie. That's amazing. That's amazing. But then you didn't leave it there because then you went on to make web series about it, right? Uh, which we're working on right now. We uh, we did some filming we for the pilot episode a few months ago, and I'm actually heading back down to California um, the beginning of December to do some pick up scenes and to kind of polish up whatever they want to add in, you know, that they might miss on the first run. But wow. uh, yeah, we're looking for a distributor and uh, I've heard that um, there's someone interested, but I, I don't get any more information yet. But we're really hoping it gets picked up and uh, we get the opportunity to make more episodes. And that's based on my character, the child in Monos, the Hands of Fate, who was uh, ultimately uh, kept by this polygamous cult. <laughs> I won't go into this story, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, this story, the Debbie Chronicles or the Monos Chronicles, is going to be my character who has escaped this horrible future at the Valley Lodge and is now, I've been in hiding for 50 something years. And now I am uh, getting retribution by going out and seeking out and battling supernatural evil in the world with the help of some other pretty cool characters. <laughs> oh, congratulations, that's amazing. It's that fun. sounds really amazing. It, it sounds fun. So, so how do you describe yourself? If somebody says, what do you do? How do you describe you? I describe myself first as an artist mm -hmm. because I've been self-employed most of my life since my um, mid-20s. I started my own business. I had a dream, literally, and I woke up in the morning and I went, Huh. And that, and so I describe myself as an artist to begin with, because that business then led to another art business that led to another one. And, and uh, so with my kids, I raised my kids as a single mom with my, my business of doing high end faux finishes in people's homes for like, I, I did that for about 25 years. Until wow. very, very recently, I just decided I, I just turned 62 this summer and uh, I really shouldn't be up on scaffolding anymore. <laughs> I mean, fair crazy. enough. I don't know. Should anybody be on scaffolding? But I guess it's a necessary part of it to create. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So so you but you run art classes and you uh -huh. paint, right? Yeah as yeah. well as acting, as well as writing. So to me, like that, you, you are a true artist in every <laughs> sense. I mean, the, you know, you, you, your creativity and tapping into that seems to know no bounds. It, that's true. And that's one of the hard parts is there's just so many choices of things to do that it's, it's sometimes it's hard not to be overwhelmed by that and feel stuck. You know, I mean, there's times it just gets overwhelming and you can't move. So um, a lot of things have happened recently to, to show me how to change my paths a little bit. I, I had a car accident just over a month ago and uh, 
Well, I mean, I, you know, I lost my car. I've been dealing with health stuff. Just when I got my new perfect studio space, I, I just got so many things I want to do. But right now, my body is still healing. So my, uh, I guess what my focus these days is, to move forward every single day, even if it's just little stuff. So some days I get myself down to the studio with the intention of spending four hours there. And maybe after two, my back's just hurting too much. I need to go do something else. But you know, that's okay. I come home and I've got plenty to do on the computer to, to keep up with uh, my world in the monos, the hands of fate world, because I, you know, I'm a cultural icon. <laughs> I'm, I'm like one of the only living cast or crew members of that film left, plus the book. And so I get invited to events and, you know, there's a lot to keep up on, on that. So I always have something to do and and I have found that giving myself a break and not being hard on myself and allowing myself to rest when I need to. And just to know at the end of the day that I went, wow, I really got a lot done today, you know, in actuality. And the truth is, I think I'm getting more done now than I was before. So I'm really excited to see where that goes. <laughs> As I That's continue to heal physically. Yeah, but also having that break gives your brain a chance to kind of catch up and and really focus on the key things as well. Yes, that's the other thing I've learned is that, and I've thought about it a lot, is some of the greatest ideas in history, the greatest art, the greatest scientific breakthroughs have happened when people were just, allowing themselves to go inward and to just think things through just allow things to go through your mind without all the distractions and god knows we've got enough distractions in this world yeah yeah for sure and i think um when we're on overload and when there's so many ideas and it's overwhelming and you, how can you possibly do them all and you want to do them all at once, then then it's almost like you, your body limiting your, your activity gives your brain that chance to just catch up. But it could be really defeating, couldn't it? It could be yeah. where you could go into victim mode. Oh, exactly. And I've been thinking about that as well and how... Uh, how I find myself at times feeling sorry for myself. And then I have to think, yeah, there's a lot of things that aren't and haven't worked out the way that you hoped to maybe 30, 40 years ago, the way you imagined your life going. But the truth is, man, because of the choices I've made, I've had some of the most incredible adventures and things that have happened that never would have happened. I've, I've met the most amazing people through this journey. And um, I just think about some of the best things that have happened in my life. And they wouldn't have happened if I hadn't gone off the beaten track. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think, so how do, what do you do? How do you keep yourself out of that victim mode when you start to go, mm, yeah, I'm, it's not, it's not going how I expected you. You really could, I mean, you could go very deep into that, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, and that's, and that's where that gets hard, you know, the further down we go into it, the harder it is to, to pull ourselves back out. So how do you keep yourself buoyant? How do you keep yourself lifted and motivated and, and wanting to go to the studio for as much as you can? Wow. That's, that's an interesting question. I mean, my dad used to say that when, when you need to learn something, when 
he'd say it when the universe wants you to learn something that you know it'll start off with a little nudge and uh if you don't pay attention it's a flick to the side of the head and you know the lessons get harder until finally you go okay okay (laughs) you know you either learn or you don't i mean but ultimately it's up to us and um I don't know. I think the universe had to knock me down pretty hard this time. And um, I have to say, I have so much to be grateful for in this accident. Uh, And that's it. I think that's what helps keep me out of victim mode is looking at all the blessings. I mean, it's like my car was totaled, but I'm relatively okay. And I'm going to be okay. Nobody else was in the car. Nobody else was involved. I mean, there's so just, I have so many people have jumped up and said they would help me in any way. My studio space, my dream space is just less than a half a mile down the road. I can walk there. And walking is the best thing I can do for my health right now. It's like there's just all these things. So so that's all I have to do is start thinking about what it could have been or, you know, how how fortunate I am. And, uh, and then if I really start going into victim mode, I just, um, all I have to do is like go online and watch some of these videos of, of uh, people dealing with horrific things. I mean, the things that people have survived and and then thrived afterwards. You know, we all have people that are those kinds of inspirations in our life, I think, that have gone through things that are really difficult. And then, you know, honestly, I just have to think about two of my best friends that have overcome cancer recently and and how bright their spirit is like what do i have to complain about that i don't know how they did what they did you know yeah so i I so quit whining i mean come on get over it (laughs) yeah i i can see that i i tend to to go down that road with um you know it could be worse. It could always be yeah. worse. Other people have it worse. Um, and it was actually my daughter who said to me, who's grown up, she said, um, yeah, but that doesn't mean that you don't get to deal with how you feel about where you are just because other people have it worse or, you know, and I think, I think it's an, it's an interesting lesson for me in, in that, you know, I, I had a lot of life things happen, you know, all within 2019. And, um, and I, and I still kept saying, yeah, but it could be worse. Yeah, but it could be worse. And she said, you've got to process what's happening for you. Yeah. And until I did that, which wasn't until COVID, uh, like a lot of us did some processing, then that's when I started to go, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I need to deal with what happened for me and not, be comparing myself to everybody else and I think it's I think it's it's finding that balance between yeah it could be worse but also what I love what you said there about you know gratitude and really focusing on what we do have yeah but you're right it's uh validating your own experience is really important and 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 I see that's something that uh I could work more on because uh the, the negative that I see that comes from not validating yourself is then sometimes you tend to be one of those people that gives too much. You know, I mean, the empaths of the world, it's hard being an empath. But being an, an artistic person, I don't know how I could do what I do. I mean, so much of my work is um, intuitive and, and, uh, and uh, symbolic and it's really interesting when I'm drawn to certain um, certain directions in my art for a while I'll paint 
uh, like octopus or, or crows or trees or I mean there's certain I, I go down these paths for a while and I'll get on the third painting and I'll go what's that about and then I'll start looking it up you know in different ways like the uh, indigenous and you know what different beliefs are and on different things and it's just remarkable to me how it ties in with who I am or what I'm going through or the experiences in the world so em empathy is critical but finding a way to deal with it without damaging yourself I think is <laughs> is really important too because how can you be you know a help in the world if if you're not whole I mean you still can but it's it's just better for everybody <laughs> if you can find that way to find that balance yeah it's um, one of the lessons that I had to learn was about um, that if I'm always giving I, which which is my natural go-to I'm denying other people the opportunity to give back uh -huh. to me that's See, I forgot about that one. You're right, but it is important. Oh, I'm going to remember that. That's that's really important because it makes you feel good to give. And that's one of the complaints that people who are closest to me have about me. And that they use the word stubborn. They say I'm just so independent and so stubborn. So I don't ask for anything, but I'm learning to at least say yes when somebody offers. Oh, that is such a hard lesson for those of us that don't ask for or accept help when it's offered. Even yeah. when I want help, I want to say no. And I spent my whole life until last year saying, no, I don't want the help. And even when I did. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's Ooh, a tough lesson, but, but, it, but it's so cool when you kind of recognize it as other people are givers and other people enjoy giving. And, and so to receive is, is, you know, in balance and in moderation, but you know, it, it's, it's not all of us giving um, because we, we have to allow other people to be able to share their gifts too, you know, yeah. and I'm going to guess, and I, I'm, I may be putting words into your mouth. When you do an art class, you're giving, but then you're receiving by watching them create. Oh yeah, that's what I, that's what I'm coming to now. The I'm realizing I can't and don't want to climb ladders and carry paint around and you know do plastering. I, that's that was my path. I did some amazing stuff, but it's time to move on. And teaching, I can do to the end. You know, I I can teach for the rest of my life. And I am realizing just how much I love doing that. I mean, I've always loved it. I've been doing these paint and sip type parties for about seven years. But now with my studio space, I have this big open living room space and i'm experimenting with doing online classes because i have fans and friends all over the world and um, if you don't ne live near my town how can you attend a class so i'm learning how to do it online as well but but i find that no matter how i feel when i have the chance to to teach a class I can pull myself together. I mean, that morning, like I did, I've done, I did two classes so far since the accident. And I think back on the first one, it was just a week after I thought, how did you do that? But the truth is, the minute I got there and was on, all my pain went away. I, I didn't hurt. I was happy. And after the class, I was exhausted, but I was happy. And I slept really well that night. Teaching, 
I love it so much because I have beginning painters come in. I have people come in or somebody who's come to a couple of my classes drags their mom or their friend along and that person, they always come in all self-depreciating going, I can't paint. I never could or, you know, I can't do this just to make sure that when they screw it up, nobody's going to put them down, right? So we go step by step and uh, nearly all the time they're, well, they're surprised at what they did. They're, a lot of times they like it. Sometimes they go, well, it's better than I expected. <laughs> but, but I've never really seen anybody say they didn't have a good time. Well, no matter what they think of their paintings. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the point, isn't it? It's not, it's not, you know, yeah, it's great to produce something, but just to go through that experience yeah. and enjoy and have that moment is 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 the point, really. And I always give them, I always encourage them to to try something different. And I tell them what my dad always told me growing up. It's just paint. If you don't like it, let it dry and paint over it. I mean, we're, we're using water-based paints in these classes anyway. It's going to dry in 10 minutes, so paint over that part. It's no big wow. deal. It's no, it's no big deal. <laughs> so there's a therapy there going on around helping people to overcome their perfectionism and you know, and, and really just try and experiment and play. And it's interesting because somebody who is a, I'm going to say true artist where it, uh, it almost hurts to not, you know, do your art. Um, it, it, somebody who's like that will be able to tap into that creativity, but somebody who's more like I am, who is, you know, more self-judging and, you know, the logical, rational stuff starts to come in, then it's hard to let that go. And you're, you're helping people to be able to do that, I'd imagine, by just helping them to create and play and enjoy. Yes. And um, for a year, when I was raising my kids here, um, this town I live in, this little western Oregon town, is just a thousand people. And it's at the end of the road old logging community i mean we have like three little tiny businesses and five churches <laughs> and our whole school system kindergarten through 12th is still in the whole 20 something years i've been here about 200 kids and uh we had a graduating class once of four three girls and one boy <laughs> amazing so I've always been involved in this town. I um, I used to, I wrote grants and I started the Arts Council and we, we got a, a building here and turned it into our arts building and we did art shows and had a community art night. And now with this new studio space, even though I'm not writing grants and doing that this is uh, a building that is part of a grant, and um, and the whole idea of it is to bring in community and bring community together. And so they're choosing people like me who have done that and who show a passion for that. And so we're now already looking at doing uh, meditation and yoga classes and. Um, we want to do another community art night so that people can just come and bring their own projects. Like in the old days, you know, quilting parties and things. People bring their own stuff. We just give them a space and, and people can just visit and talk. And you don't even have to have a project. You can just come in and visit, just hang out. And we've had that too. So you don't even have to be an artist or have a project, but who knows what you may be inspired to do from there. So and I cannot wait it. to see what else comes out of this building. That's what feeds my soul. That's what makes me happy. 
So what do you say to somebody who says, but I can't draw or I can't paint or I can't, I want to, but I can't, you know, I always say like many of us, you know, I can't draw stick men, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I really, I really have been told like, you know, I mean, we make a joke of it because I'm not, I'm not sensitive, but I do believe that everybody is artistic. So it's how different kinds of art? I mean, I, I know people who they just, you know, they go to Hobby Lobby or something, they get a few things and the hot glue gun and they're making these beautiful wreaths for their friends for Christmas. I mean, there's so many things, there's so many different things that, that if you want to create or, or like, for instance, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was working in the, the building where my studio is and I saw this uh, young man walk up the steps and knock on the door and I recognized him from when he was little and I know his mom and uh, he's he just kind of walked up and said I'm just curious what what are you doing in here what's what's going on with this and so I explained to him and we talked for a while and uh, he said that he wasn't artistic but that he's a musician and so he got my mind going like I went, how can we bring people together, like older musicians and some of these teenagers? And I mean, it's just another way to bring community together. How can we bring musicians together? We're talking about having a space that's kind of a, a, a place where people can order library books and have a pickup place. Well, how about talking about books? Um, and I've had people come to the class at the end of the class they said they had a good time but they just realized that's not for them but they enjoy it it, it takes a whole world to, to create all this stuff I mean you can't have everybody be artists because who's, who's going to be buying all this art you know well, true. Well, true. But I'm going to argue that musicians are artists, you know? Oh, they are. I it's mean, that's the thing. Kind of art. Isn't it funny how how we kind of, like, we, we have these definitions and we have these beliefs and then we go, that's art. I'm not an artist because I do music. It's like, but that's art. It is art, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's unbelievable how how many different forms of art. I, I do um, cabaret burlesque dancing and I have... I'm not kidding you. I have no rhythm and I do not remember choreography. Wow. And okay. yet, and yet I am a paid dancer because I know how to express myself. Uh -huh. I know how to take up space and, and form a presence. I know how to tell a story. I know go. how to do, do, you know, that it's a different kind of art than somebody who is a trained, classically trained, let's say ballerina or, do you know, yeah. it's entirely different, but but all forms of expression can be art. Well, let me give you a good example that ties into the movie I was in and the things that it has inspired. That's one of the things I love so much about this because people say, I've even been interviewed by Playboy magazine in 2015. I mean, uh, but, but uh, because of this bad film, I've met the most incredible people and I've been part of these incredible projects. So this bad movie has inspired uh, an on stage puppet show called Monos the Hands of Felt that played up in Seattle. And look it up, it's on YouTube. Monos oh. the Hands of Felt. It's incredible. And I got to, to go up and watch it and be part of it. And Rachel Jackson, who created it, ended up being one of the writers, actors, and producers for my sequel film, Monos Returns, that we did in 2015. Also, there was a stage production of Monos, The Hands of Fate in Portland. It was a comedy, and my character, the child was played by a doll, a, a puppet doll that was created specifically. And uh, my dog was in the original movie, was a Doberman, and played the, the master, 
my dad played the lead and he was the master. And so the Doberman was like the master's dog, the evil dog. But he wiggled a lot. I mean, he was obviously not evil in the movie. But they they made a, a big cardboard and felt life-size Doberman and little tiny wheels that they pulled across the stage. Look that one up. Wow. The, the stage production of Monos, very fun. And they involved me because in the original film, all the voices were dubbed and all the women, all eight of the women and the child's voice was dubbed by one person. And so when my mouth opened on screen and I saw myself for the first time at the premiere, this strange voice came out of my mouth. It was horrible. So in the stage production, when they found out I lived close to Portland, they invited me to be part of the production. So I got vengeance. I got to be in the sound booth and do my own voice through the puppet. <laughs> Amazing. I got to be the grown woman doing the child's voice this time. That's hilarious. But there's been a, a comic book. There's been coloring books. There's uh, video games. There's uh, trading cards. Uh, other books. There's other books. There's other films. It's just amazing the oh there's a band called uh monos the band of fate i mean so so monos has inspired like so many different types of art and That's i wonderful. on my etsy site uh, my dad's costume and all the art in the film he created and so i I recreated the master's robe that my mother made the original of. And uh, so I sew also, and I've made um, 20, I'm working on number 28 of uh, custom sized master's robes for people. And I just started making dog coats. And I, I'm working on one, as soon as I get off of here, I'm going to my studio. I got to work on a dog coat for a really big dog. Amazing. Amazing. And I love how you've, how you've kind of brought that into the conversation of like, look at all these inspired ways of yeah. creating off of the basis of something. You know, you, you're responsible for so much more art than the stuff that you've literally created. And that's exciting. It's exciting to know these people and to get, I mean, I've met the most interesting people through this yeah. journey. <laughs> That's crazy. That's so amazing. Okay, Jackie, if you were going to perform a cabaret performance, so that could be singing, dancing, uh, comedy, aerial, contortion, um, uh, drag, it could be all kinds of different things. What kind of, what kind of cabaret artist would you choose to be? That's so funny because that's another Monos thing was there's a burlesque show in <gasps> Portland and uh, I got invited to the show because one of the women did a Monos burlesque as the master. She unveiled herself. So, uh, and, and two of those women were in our film, Monos Return. So, bur so I have some experience in that. <laughs> If I was younger, I would totally do burlesque. That would be so much fun. Okay. So first of all, um, I love that you've chosen burlesque. Second of all, I mean, I have so many notes I'm writing down. I've got the puppet show. I've got the stage show. I've got the burlesque act. I'm, I'm, I'm so Googling right after this. I'm so excited. Okay. So, uh, for, and, and my, my second thing is um, there is no age for burlesque or cabaret. None. Zero. Um, one of the oldest uh, living burlesque performers passed away recently, and she was in her 80s. Wow. Um, Ruth Lynn Miller. And, and that was only in the last few months. So I am by far in my studio and in, my, in, my, um, in the cities that, that I perform in, I'm by far the oldest performer. I've not come across anybody in the UK that, that is older that's performing. And, it, and I had some hangups for a long time about it. And I lost a lot of opportunities because I had 
those that age thing and it's there is no age it's it's literally like there there is no age at all and that's the beauty because it's what are you performing right what are you sharing in your message using costumes and and your movement to, to share that heather i don't need another direction you my mind to... is like going whoa oh Jackie, my god I you, another thing to do I you don't know. need to be a burlesque performer i'm just saying you just and i know just all these to. women they would be they would be really happy to have me <laughs> i have no <laughs> doubt and i want to know when oh, you're yeah. performing because if i can't be there i have to find a way to be there on online i'm not oh, kidding yeah. you. This no, I could exciting. already see, I could pretty much see the act. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 You know what it is. Okay. And what is your stage name? Debbie. It would be Debbie, which would be my, which is uh, how people know me because that was my character's name in, in Mono. I love that you have this. You have the whole, the whole burlesque thing worked out in your head and and what if you could choose one prop like like you you obviously with burlesque you have lots of props but what would be your main or favorite prop to take on stage with you oh i already have that too so <laughs> what and, is it well in the film like i said my dad made all the the art and my mother made the costumes and i mean even our car was in it but my dad oh I don't have it here in the place, but uh, there's a, a staff that one of the characters, Torgo, the goat man, carries, and it's it's got a hand that's made from, it's cut with a welding torch out of cold rolled steel. My dad made the original, and it's on the end of a, a staff, and uh, I, I borrowed I have a friend who had the whole equipment and welding and stuff. And so I made some just like my dad's and we used it in our film on us return. So that's what I would take. I would take oh. one of the master's staff with me. Unbelievable. Yeah. Cause yeah, that'd be easy to maneuver and use. Yeah. And it could be very fun to just, you know, just ha how you handle it and ha play and move it. And oh my God. I'm not kidding you. Like this is, this is, this is happening live people. Like I like Jackie and I didn't know each other until about an hour ago. And I'm so excited now to see your burlesque performance, which we have now worked out just kind of happening. But this is, this is the beauty of having creativity and play and being open to, to exploring different things. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and that, and that having that, like, like letting go of all the voices that tell you all the reasons why you can't, or you shouldn't, or you, you know, and we, and we do that. We go, oh, I can't, it's my age or my, you know, my body, or I've seen, I've seen burlesque performers perform in wheelchairs. So there's not an excuse, oh, yeah. you know, oh, so yeah, I mean, so, so, but I love that you're just fully going with this flow and kind of going, oh, yes, and it's playful. And most of us would go, oh, no, I couldn't and I wouldn't and I shouldn't and I, you know, and all. And actually, that's that's not that doesn't allow us to be free and to really grow our confidence and just explore. And I love that you're pretty much your whole life has been about exploring and trying and being inspired and creating. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful story, Jackie. And I so appreciate you sharing it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, uh, real quick, I'll tell you my, my first business that I started was uh, first I, I was in Southern California and I was in the wine industry. I was working in hospitality, tasting rooms and and I lived in a tiny town of 8,000 people that had 50 wineries with a Healdsburg, California address. And uh, and I wasn't doing well. I'm, you know, minimum wage, and I wanted to do better, and I, you know, wanted to do art. Anyway, I woke up one morning, I had this dream about painting T-shirts, and and so. I didn't have any money, but I knew of this t-shirt business downtown Santa Rosa. And 
I don't know where I got the courage or the confidence. I don't know. But I just knew this would work. And so I went down there and I, I walked in and I talked to the owner who I'd never met before. And I told her my idea. And I told her I would, if she would give me a dozen t-shirts, I would pay her by the end of the week. And she did. So I took them home and I have some paint and I painted uh, a great design on the t-shirt and I wrote uh, the name of a couple of the wineries, uh, one of the wineries in particular, and I went and I took it to my friend who was a tasting room manager there and she ordered um, like four dozen. And so I went back to the t-shirt place and I told her and I showed her the order. So she gave me all the shirts I needed. I painted them as fast as I could. I got paid. And then I went to all my other friends. And I'm telling you, those t-shirts ended up being selling better than their regular tasting room shirts. And then I had another dream because by then I had my son was like three years old. This is the early 90s and dinosaurs. Dinosaurs were all the rage. And since I'd worked in the wine industry, I'd seen people plenty of people come into the tasting room. They've gone winery to winery to winery. And by the time they get there, they're kind of a little drunk, you know. Mm -hmm. Luckily, a lot of them were on a tour bus <laughs> <laughs> driving them around. But, um, but I thought about people like spilling their wine. So I wanted to create a shirt that they wouldn't feel bad spilling their wine on. And, and I just, and I'm not a cartoonist at all. And I painted this really stupid design that I could do with a stencil real easy. And it was a silhouette of a, a Tyrannosaurus Rex standing on his back legs by the side holding a little glass of wine. And then I put, hung them on the, the clothesline and I threw purple paint at them. I splattered them. And then I called him Winosaurus Rex. I cannot tell you how much money I made off of those stupid t-shirts. Unbelievable. It was a great business for a long time. Until one day, some lady said, oh, and then I was painting flowers and doing local craft shows. And then this lady came up and said, I love your flower designs. Do you do walls? Do you do murals? And I went, um, sure. And that started a 25-year business doing, I mean, I, I, I painted a mural on the ceiling of the Navy Nautical Museum in Vallejo, California. I've done, I've done some amazing jobs. Just be, and it all started with those crazy little t-shirts, you know? That's amazing. That is unbelievable. And, and you know, I, I, I hope that people can see the inspiration of listening to that little voice and following it. Yeah, I mean, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But if you don't try it, then it'll haunt you. These things haunt me if I don't do it. And now, darn you, burlesque, great. Oh, great. Now I got to find time for this. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and you need to. Thing. I can make my own costumes. Too. Yes. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And I, I, I need to be, I, I need to know immediately when you, when you plan it. I'm not kidding you. This will make, I, I just, it, yeah, you have to, you have to let me know. Okay. So, so let's talk about, you have an Etsy shop. Uh, which is Jackie's Monos on Etsy. And uh, just for anybody listening on audio podcast, it's J-A-C-K-E-Y-S. And then Monos is M-A-N-O-S. And if you look on Etsy, you'll find Jackie's Monos on there. Yeah, and, and a, a good way to find me in a lot of places is uh, type in Monos, the hands of fate. And uh, I'll be one of the first things to pop up and you'll be able to track me and find me because I've, I've done a blog. I'm, 
I'm looking at, uh, it's time to start writing my blog again. I'm looking at writing another book. I, I got a lot going on. You got a lot going on. And, and you are launching your website soon, um, yes. which will be Jackie's Monos as well. Yeah. Is that going to be .com? Yes. Right. So Jackie'sMonos.com. If you go check that out, uh, let's, you know, in, in, in the next few weeks, then, then uh, you may find that, that the, uh, you'll, you'll certainly find that the domain name will be up anyway, and, um, and you'll be able to get some more information, but you can, you can contact Jackie on Etsy as well. Jackie, it has been such a pleasure and an honor to talk with you. It has been so much fun. I adore the fact that I have inspired this, oh. this new form of art and I really hope that you do it and and please keep us posted because yeah. that that is just such an inspiring story to be able to share with confidence through cabaret so I would adore being able to to share that with you and and maybe have another podcast conversation about how that okay. goes and That's what your process great. was I love that thank you so much for being here Thank you, Heather, and uh, I don't know whether to thank you for that burlesque idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just appeals to me so much. I, I, I never really thought about it, but I love to dance. And Yeah. Cabaret mm. is for everybody, period. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. it just is. It just is. Um, thank you so much for being here. Uh, please like and subscribe. If you're watching this on YouTube, check out the, the audio podcast. If you're listening to this on podcast, we have this up on vodcast on Confidence Through Cabaret on YouTube. Uh, all the socials are Confidence Through Cabaret, Facebook, Instagram, all, all the usual places, except for Twitter, which is at YBYWYS. I am at Heather YBYWYS on Clubhouse. And those six little letters stand for it is your body and it is your world and it is your stage. Take up space and own it. Thank you again, Jackie. Thank you, Heather. We'll Bye talk for now. soon. Yeah, we will. <laughs> Bye for now. <laughs>